Travis Jeff. Alrighty. Well, I already started recording. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> then we're already doing it. Yep. Uh, welcome to On the Other Hand, a podcast by Sebastian and now Nehemiah. Yep. Um, I'm here. Nehemiah Sittler. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Um, I have known Nehemiah for basically my entire life. Uh, we grew up in the SDA church together. His dad is a pastor. Um, I don't know why I said that word weird. Um, but uh, yes, recently, personally, I've been having some questions with Adventism. Uh, and there's this website called nonsda.org that I've just been reading a ton of like stuff about the whole thing. Um, so I wanted to like talk about it. Um, I don't think this is uh, applicable to anyone other than our friends at Andrews, but if you're listening from the public, uh, Seventh-day Adventism is a Protestant uh, religion, Christian religion, that grew out of the uh, Millerite movement of the late 1800s and has, what, 30 million people today? I don't know, some big number. So Yeah, it's a relatively big uh, religious group. Um, they believe in the Bible and sort of also believe in this, uh, prophet called Ellen White. Um, so the first thing I want to start off with is basically Ellen White ate meat. Yeah. Like point blank. Like she ate meat most of her life. Like even after saying that you shouldn't eat meat, um, so, basically, I'm just going off of the website, but uh, this is her quote. Um, Those who do not accept the light God has given on health reform cannot represent the truth to others. Um, how can those who are seeking to become pure, refined, and holy, um, that they may have a companionship of heavenly angels, continue to use food anything that has so harmful an effect on soul and body? Um so later, after she said that, uh, in, in 1869, then she wrote um, about how she stopped eating meat. Um, in a letter she wrote to a friend, um, she says, I, I have uh, received the health message or the light from heaven from above. Um, and I broke away from everything at once, from meat and butter and from uh, three meals. Because uh, she only ate one meal, I believe. Um, I took my hand, took my stand on the health reform principle in 1969 or 1869, sorry. And then, uh, in 1873, um, in a, in a letter, uh, to a different friend, um, she said that, uh, she was eating at someone's house, uh, where they had shot two ducks, uh, the person that she knew was hunting and then uh she ate it um although this one is like a little bit different because they were apparently in need of something to eat and that's all my religious teacher talked about in high school was oh it was it was uh frowned upon but like if you need to eat meat you know don't die um but yeah i'm not gonna go through the whole list but basically from 1869 
until man, I'm just going down the down the list here. Until at least 1901, she was eating meat. So the the time came officially in 1903, actually, 34 years uh, after she supposedly stopped uh, eating meat. Then she said uh, in a letter in 1903, as for myself, I have settled the question. I do not use it, uh, butter and meat. So it's like, Number one, I think it's it's changing somewhat nowadays where Adventists do eat meat. Um, but for the most part, it's like a definite uh, thing that we grew up with uh, that you don't eat meat. And just the fact that she did basically her whole life while telling people not to is like uh, a little bit weird. Uh, yeah, I don't know well, what you have to think. I think... I think an interesting thought is when she talks about health reform, I, I think of like the the full package of health reform. Mm-hmm. I think that people like get I think people get really worried about diet, but I also think of like how in those days like people just didn't know anything about health. Like that was the time in our country when people were like doing tobacco uh as a health <laughs> method um they were drinking alcohol and like giving people alcohol as painkillers and stuff mm-hmm. and i think about i think like i feel like that's part of health reform as well as like saying like yeah like, nowadays we know cigarettes are like, like <laughs> no no one is like oh yeah, yeah. I, I smoke cigarettes i'm really yeah. cool and yeah. And that's definitely like something she spoke out against. So I think that's I think that's a consideration. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because this is something that the non-SDA uh, thing brings up too, which was uh, most of that stuff she got from other people. Like she was against uh, cigarettes and whatever, uh, but the Methodist founder John Wesley um, was already preaching the uh, health message in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. Um, he was telling people to basically, uh, not use tobacco, not use snuff, not use a bunch of drugs, um, moderation in food, um, fresh, fresh air, uh, exercise, avoid tea, uh, and highly seasoned foods. Um, in fact, I mean, the Methodist hospital system is like one of the, one of the big ones in the U S um, even him in the 1750s was uh, was preaching this stuff. And a lot of people say that's um, where she got it from. Um, in the world of her age, it wasn't everywhere, this idea of health reform, but it was definitely out there. Um, and there is another uh, Adventist pioneer, uh, Captain Joseph Bates, um, he was uh, talking about this stuff in apparently uh, before um, Ellen White in the 1820s. Um, he was a health reformer. I'm reading off the website now. He was a health reformer who uh, quit using tobacco in 1821 and crusaded against tobacco, snuff boxes, and pipes um, and the use or trafficking of 
alcoholic alcoholic drinks uh, from brandy to cider and beer. Uh, He later quit using tea and coffee and in 1843 became a vegetarian. So in 1843, apparently, uh, this health message he specifically already had, I guess, um, before he even met uh, Ellen and James White. Um, And even this one is like really um, a game changer for me. Um, 20 years before Ellen White had her first vision on health reform, uh, there was another lady um, called Miss Marie Louise Shu. Um, she published a 156-page book uh, on health reform entitled Water Cure for Ladies, a popular work on the health, diet, and regimen of female and children. Um, basically, uh, she goes over everything that Ellen White uh, had already, well, will have already gone over later. Um, 20 years before Ellen White ever talked about it. Oh, yeah, and they also list Joseph Smith, which is uh, the founder of the Latter-day Saint movement, uh, Mormonism. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple years ago in high school, I actually was assigned uh, to study the Mormons for a religion project, and it was wild to me, like, how much of... um, the visions of Joseph Smith line up with uh, Adventist visions, like the straight and narrow path of like on, you know, walking out on the cliff and then some of the cart is too big and then it falls off and the people have to go on. Like they had uh, basically the same thing too. Um, And even when I I haven't told you this, Nehemiah, but um, recently I was studying to be baptized Mormon Mm-hmm. which I don't I don't know if I'm going through with that or not, but uh, what they call it is the word of wisdom. That's what they call the health message. And they were preaching this to me like, oh yeah, you know, caffeine, uh, tobacco, this is a original thing that Joseph Smith had in, what, 1833, 30 years before Ellen White. Um, so this guy was talking about it in the same place, mind you. Uh, Mormonism and... Uh, uh, Seventh-day Adventism basically came out of the same uh, area. Huh. Sorry, I'm just reading the the website, and it says the average Latter-day Saint uh, outlives the average American by approximately seven years. So I, I don't know if that's probably more for Adventists, but yeah. So there's a bunch more people, but um, yes, that was the health uh, message stuff. I think, uh, so not all of, uh, the health message, um, I mean, she said specific stuff like caffeine, tobacco, uh, but she said a lot of stuff that was like, just outright weird, like just outright not true. Um, and I'd heard a little bit about that, um, but this, uh, website goes into that more. Um, so in, hmm. I probably should have read this before.
So obviously there are some that do make sense. Um, pork is bad. Alcohol is bad. Um, <laughs> but I mean, uh, another thing that she said was alcohol is a stimulant. Um, quote, this is the quote from her, uh, liquors of all kinds are stimulants. They give to the stomach an unnatural and forced action. Well, I mean, that one's like a weird semantics thing. Alcohol is a depressant, but I mean, she was saying it as in like tobacco or caffeine, like it's a stimulant. Oh yeah, this is this is another weird one. Uh, seasoned stuff damages the stomach, uh, like condiments. Like, yeah, I've heard of that one before. Gravy and uh, so the the quote uh, of Miss uh, Harmon um, is the taking of condiments uh, with meat is a crime against the stomach. All these are as truly destructive to its tone and healthy action as is alcohol. Well, well, that's not true at all. That alcohol is a lot worse uh, than, I think, every meat, basically. Maybe pork is, like, bad, but I still don't think it's as bad as alcohol. So, um... Her eating of uh, uh, meals not three times a day. Uh, this website says that medical science doesn't agree with her on that. Uh, there's no proof that eating more than two or three meals a day is harmful. Um, some rec some physicians say that smaller meals more frequently is is even better. But that one's like a she could have been right. It's science there's really doesn't no go one proof yeah. on it either end. Yeah. 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 So some things like eating at regular intervals. Yeah, she was right on. Uh, this one, actually, this is an interesting one because I used her logic at my school, at my uh, high school. When she was talking about eating highly sweetened food, um, she was saying it was unhealthy. And I was questioning the school like, hey, why do we have bake sales if this is if if uh, eating this sugar stuff is super unhealthy? Um, I was just saying that as in, like, the rules thing, because they were also saying some other stuff I didn't agree with, but, yeah. So, she was saying, uh, that children who don't eat enough are, like, they're gonna become terrible people, uh, animals, uh, and the passions predominate. Like, she's saying... Uh, in one of her books, the lives of many children uh, from 5 to 10 and 15 years of age seemed marked with depravity. Uh, they possess knowledge of almost every vice. Eh, eating butter isn't going to turn you into an animal. Or maybe it would like if you just ate Cheetos every day. Maybe you're going to be less smart, but like... Read that one again. Of her quote? Yeah, read the quote again. Uh, 
So the lives of many children from 5 to 10 and 15 years of age uh, seem marked with depravity. They possess knowledge of almost every vice. Uh, so they basically do every mm-hmm. bad thing. feel like a lot of kids know about every vice <laughs> yeah and they don't even eat cheetos you know what i'm saying like you see the really conservative kids that never ate cheetos as kids and then <laughs> they do the jankiest stuff mm-hmm. and their parents are doing really jank stuff they're always like the child abusers and the molester parents What? So I'm... One of the things uh, she said was that shade trees and shrubbery too close and dense around a house are unhealthy for they prevent a free circulation of air mm-hmm. and the rays of the sun from shining s- sufficiently through. What? What? I don't know of I mean, any that trees that are going to be so dense... Well, that air can't get through. I think that I think that applies to like, like if you're, if your trees are growing up over your windows too much, and you can't get sunlight in. I have some neighbors that have some pretty dense shrubbery, and I don't know how they well, get light in their home. That's what they're saying though that people actually recommend that uh, to provide shade, because the sun's rays apparently give uh, cancer, so it's like. That's... Yeah, but you you need sunlight, which is vitamin D. Yeah, but even just the barely anything. I guess if you have like vi like thick vines. Yeah, on the windows, that's but, bad. I mean, like you have to have sunlight because I mean, living in a place like this, and going to Andrews, we know that like if you're not intentional, uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> if you're not intentional about it, you'll get jacked up. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like sometimes this is like, like. Stuff like this is, like, people finding science that's on the other extreme just as, like, an anti-proof. You know what I'm saying? What do you mean? Like, for example, with the shrubbery thing. Mm-hmm. Like, picking a complaint with somebody saying that you need to have sunlight in your window and fresh air in your house mm-hmm. is, like... Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, do you do you not have a better, like... Are you that desperate to shoot? Like, you know what I'm saying? Are you <laughs> yeah. are you that desperate to take shots at people? <laughs> you can't have trees. And then try to find somebody who's done research to back up <laughs> your belief that you need to have trees in front of your window? <laughs> like, yeah. first, that's just an HOA complaint right there. <laughs> and then, oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's true. We Actually, my family did get uh, an insurance. Our homeowner's insurance called us. Because we had a vine growing on the side of the house, and it was, like, barely reaching my window. And they said, hey, you need to take that down, because if any animal gets in through there, then it's, like, a, a something with the insurance will yeah, be Yeah, liability. Yeah. Um, so another thing she said, that eating pork uh, causes leprosy. I've never uh, heard that before. Yeah, it doesn't cause leprosy. I don't know what more to tell you. Um, pigs can't even carry leprosy. Um, so it's, like, impossible for that to happen. Um, 
And she said specifically, the eating of pork has produced scrofula. I don't know what that is. Leprosy and cancerous humors. Yeah, cancer is probably true. Um, but anyway, um, the point in this is like specifically, um, the Bible says that if things are proven to be uh, false, then the person who said that isn't a prophet. And like, you know, stuff like this. Eating pork doesn't cause leprosy. Point blank. Like, that's that's an actual fact. Um, <laughs> it was saying... Uh, so, uh, taking animals to market makes their meat unhealthy. What does that mean? Oh, so she said that animals that are, like, driven to a different place to be killed um, has just ruined uh, the meat. So she said their blood has been heated. Uh they're full of flesh. When they have to travel far, they become exhausted, uh, and their blood is highly inflamed, and those who eat of the meat are poisoned. Uh, some uh, are not immediately affected, while others are attacked with severe pain, fever, cholera, or some unknown disease. Uh, I mean... I don't, I mean, I guess that could happen in general. Like, if you I, go to a market where the animals are killed, you might get some disease, hence uh, COVID, you know, but like driving the animals to that. I feel like that's a, that's another, like, you hear this a lot with Ellen White, like, that's a, people are like, well, like, bicycles, for example, everyone knows that she said bicycles were wrong. And everyone's like, oh, you know, the way I justify everyone works around the... I've heard that, but I... The way everyone works around the bicycle thing is like, well, that's a time, that's a time difference thing, you know, like a different time period. I feel like it's another time period thing, like Mm -hmm. the way meat was being like, you know, you didn't load your animals on a truck in those days. They didn't have trucks to load animals on. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, animals were being carried to market and they were doing the market thing in a different way but I mean, what and she probably would have had comments about the way that we we produce our meat nowadays with our oh she would industrial be turning over in her grave yeah industrial industrial factories and <laughs> the way that and that's just not even ethical the she way would, they treat it well that's a whole other discussion yeah that's a whole other discussion <laughs> of ethics and like the, the meat markets and the way that we produce our meat nowadays that's so, that can't be healthy either. She, uh, there was uh, another book called Philosophies of Health, written in eighteen fifty one, by a man named Larkin B. Coles, um, and basically her counsels on diet and foods uh, copied everything that he already had. Um, like word for word. Well, basically, so uh, philosophy of health. Larkin B. Coles wrote, um, for example, great sympathy exists between the physical and moral nature. And then Ellen White wrote, 
a close sympathy exists between the physical and moral nature. Like, that's... Um, yeah. So, it's just a bunch of, like, quotes that are exactly the same. Um, but one of the quotes that Ellen White wrote, I, like, don't understand. She said, it is not well to eat fruit and vegetables at the same meal. What? Why? Oh, yeah, so apparently Coles contradicts Ellen White on this point because he said uh, fruit should be taken as a part of the regular dinner. Um, so in addition to vegetables, I guess. Well, I guess then in that case, my mom's... Is your mom cranberry, against Ellen White? <laughs> cranberry apple salad she serves at Thanksgiving dinner is a sin. <laughs> I never liked that thing, so maybe she stopped serving it. <laughs> so, um, this site is saying... Uh, the medical nonsense that she uh, said sort of like obviously outweighs the, any of the good stuff. Um, marital excess. Um, <laughs> coffee, tea, uh, cinnamon, pepper, and mustard are apparently poisonous when in fact that's not the case at all. Like, it's not... She said, like, it's going to give you diseases. It's bad for you. It's poisonous. Cinnamon isn't poisonous. Um, and it's important to remember um, that she was raised a Methodist. And the founder of Methodism was a health reformer. So, I mean, that's where she got a lot of the stuff. Um, okay, so we've talked about that, about health message and whatever. Um, we, we can look at some of the other stuff. Um, so the Bible uh, specifically says uh, that if it's, if it's not according to the word, uh, it's because there's no truth in it. So if it contradicts the Bible, it's not to be believed very, very plainly. Um, and even Ellen White in Patriarchs and Prophets uh, writes, whatever contradicts God's word, uh, we may be sure proceeds from Satan. I don't even have to look at the website to remember this. Um, in, the, in the Garden of Eden, uh, in Genesis, in the Bible, it says that Eve gave the fruit to Adam who was with her. And Ellen White says, that Adam and Eve were not together, that Eve uh, was uh, sinning by straying from Adam in the first place. That was the original sin, and that uh, Adam somehow found his way later, and then Eve gave him the fruit. But the Bible clearly states that they were together right then. Um. Oh man, there's so much stuff. 
the what 18 there's like 30 apparently 30 contradictions between the bible and ellen white i don't know which one to start at hmm. what are some of the titles uh sda investigative judgment contradicts bible um click on that one that sounds interesting yeah actually this is one of the reasons like why i uh started to leave adventism in the first place was we were as pathfinder uh master guide candidates you have to study all the uh 28 fundamental beliefs and the investigative judgment i just i i was like where is this like this doesn't make sense um okay uh, so the belief, if you don't know, is that God is up in heaven, or Jesus is up in heaven, and he's going over the books right now, uh, basically investigating or judging uh, us at, at the moment. Um, but, like, the Bible, over and over again, says that this isn't going to happen. Like, this... Uh, God already knows who uh, is his. And just think about that. Like, Jesus already knows everything. God knows everything. He doesn't need to pour over the, over the records and, like, decipher who's his and who isn't. Uh, for, thousand, for however many years he's doing that. Yeah, uh, it's... Uh, the quote from the website is, According to the Bible, God already knows who, who his sheep are. Uh, he does not need over 175 years to figure out who is saved and who is lost. So I'll just, I guess, start with the Bible verse and then read the Ellen White quote. Um, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears uh, my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he is path, he is passed from death to life. There is no condemnation to them which are in Jesus Christ who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Um, so according to the Bible, the atonement was already completed on the cross. Jesus has already uh, been judged and punished for the sins of believers. Um, while it is true every believer will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive you know, his reward. Uh, there's no investigative judgment of whether or not he's worthy of salvation. Um, and so Ellen White writes that uh, uh, when sins have been re uh, repented of, confessed, and forsaken, uh, then pardon is written against the sinner's name. But his sins are not blotted out until after the investigative judgment. But the Bible says, your sins go away when you repent. Jesus died on the cross and he uh, cleanses us, like immediately. Um, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of verses, but your sins are already blotted out, basically. And Ellen White says they're not until after the investigative judgment, which doesn't really make sense. It is finished. Basically, one of the most famous uh, lines of all the Bible. Um, but according to Ellen White, um, it was not 
because uh, in one of her visions, she explains, um, uh, I, I, I'll just read it. I then saw Brother Edson that he might uh, gird, oh, take on the whole armor and stand in readiness to go somewhere for a journey was before him and that souls needed help. Jesus's work was almost finished in the sanctuary. So in, in her mind, since this was right after um, the Great Disappointment, uh, Jesus had moved into the investigative judgment seat, and this brother Edson uh, was like... Uh, that was her son. Oh, really? Yeah, her son's name was Edson. Is that who she's talking about, brother I Edson? don't know, but I mean, that's oh. the only Edson huh. I've ever heard of in Adventist history is her son. If she, if she called her son brother, that... Well, maybe they did that back then. I don't know. Um, yeah, but Jesus needs help and his work isn't done uh, is just not, not true. Well, I think... I feel like that that's, that's a contextual issue somewhat because you hear a lot of people say, like, the work isn't finished or, like... Like, God's work, God's work of, like, saving people is, is not finished. Because there's still more people that can be saved. Well, there's that, but that's a different thing than saying uh, no one's forgiven yet because Jesus hasn't finished his ministry. Like, the sins aren't blotted out yet. Yeah. But the way I've always heard the investigative judgment presented, there's there's the idea that the investigative judgment is God the Son presenting the case of fallen sinful human beings to God the Father, kind of like an advocate. Yeah, I know. You've heard that in Adventists? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, the, that's, that's the way the I've point. always the, heard the point it is, is that isn't true. Because that doesn't happen. Because God already knows who is his and who isn't. And Jesus already died. Like, he doesn't have to go, oh yeah, you you can save him, God. You don't have to... Uh, they repented. They, they claimed my name, so they're good. Like, they don't even have to say any of that. It's already... He knows. Yeah, but the forgiveness of sin comes after the confession. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, I know, after, it's not like God well, and Jesus are up there in 2021 going, oh, it's uh, he got uh, saved because he repented right now. Um, so it's like different time for them. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is, is like, yes, God, God knows, God knows who his children are because he died for everyone. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. But it also says, it also talks about confessing your sins. And that's where the forgiveness comes of sin is through confession. It's not just like a. Well, like no, you even, have to acknowledge even then though you Ellen have White, to acknowledge your sin yeah 
in order to receive the but forgiveness. But according to this principle, according to Ellen White's principle, you are not yet forgiven. Because your name isn't blotted out in the book because Jesus is still doing the investigative judgment. I'll go back to the, the first yeah. one of the first quotes I read. But I also feel like the other the other way it's been presented to me is that the investigative the investigative judgment is like an audit. as well and it's confirming so, what's already been put in place so when when you confess your sins uh when sins are confessed um his sins are not blotted out until after the investigative judgment even if i don't know what this how this even works pardon is written against the sinner's name but his sins are not blotted out like completely until after well this is this is such a minor issue though it's like weird like you said it could be just like yeah explained sort of um but uh one of the other things um uh miss white said was that no one can be saved who uh didn't practice uh the sabbath um Well, this is just talking about William Miller, I guess. Um, uh, since William Miller uh, heard the Sabbath message, but he didn't uh, believe it. Oh, okay. So despite William Miller's rejection of it, uh, Ellen White said that he will be saved. So also, I saw that William, Mer William Miller erred as soon as he was to enter the heavenly Canaan uh, in suffering his influence to go against the truth. That would be the Sabbath. Um, others led him to this. Uh, <laughs> others led him to this. Others must account for it. Oh, that's convenient. That's uh, good for William Miller that other people are responsible for his beliefs. Um, but angels will... But angels watch the precious dust of this servant of God, and he will come forth at the sound of this last trumpet. Well, I think that I think that principle stands for a lot of people. Well, yeah, I do too. But then the, for the, the other people, why couldn't Ellen White say, "Yeah, uh, like not everyone who goes to church on Sunday is gonna go to hell." Like you don't. Well, I don't think, I think the, the principle I'm referring to is the idea that other people led William Miller to that conclusion, so they have to be held accountable for what they did. I, I guess I feel like that's the idea of like... Yeah, but it's weird because like... If you're, if you're out there trying to deceive people or talk somebody back from something that's positive, then you have to be held accountable for that action. Like, like, I, I guess it, in my mind it fits into, like, the same idea as, like, the idea if you're standing there and you didn't shoot the person, but you allowed the person to be shot, you're just as responsible. Oh, okay, yeah. I feel like that's kind of the idea where, like... I get that idea. 
Yeah. I don't know. I I mean, it, it seems convenient for William Miller. Yes. So, like, I'm, I guess I would ask anyone else who has heard of the Sabbath message and doesn't believe it, how is that any different for them? That's a great question. I think there's... I, I don't... I don't know. I think there's a lot of something missing there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't... I don't know the intimate details of that with William Miller. Yeah, I don't either. I, I just know he talked a lot about Jesus coming on a certain day and it never happened. And that's where the investigative judgment came from. was because everyone was bent out of shape. But the dates lead to something and then there's a dead end. There's a lot of weird stuff I'm reading but from revisions that I just don't understand. Um, it's talking about Enoch. Apparently Ellen White saw Enoch. Um, there I saw good old Enoch, she says, who had been translated. Um, yeah, he was translated. So the th website asks, how could Enoch be translated and living in heaven prior to the investigative judgment since every single name of everyone needs to pass through the investigative judgment in order to, to go to heaven? But that, again, that's like a minor issue because there was Moses right mm -hmm. and Enoch so uh, that's that's sort of picking Elijah's also up there because mm. he yeah. was sucked up How did he... I just always wonder like why like those just a few people got to live in heaven like wonder mm. why it says Enoch walked with God and then Elijah was one of his buddies he went through all sorts of junk and the well, Lord knows Moses had a hard life leading those people through the wilderness. Nobody would have wanted that job. They whined way too much. That's a good question, though. Why did three dudes get to go and nobody else? <laughs> or maybe others didn't. There, Maybe we'll get to heaven and there's already tons of people. <laughs> it's like, wait, you, you were doing this all along? Oh, those were the... The alien uh, uh, kidnappings that people yeah. talk about. <laughs> that was the that was the rapture, the secret rapture that some people believe in. Uh, By invite only. <laughs> well, the her head injury is yeah. A lot of people talk about that. What? Oh, oh, okay. It, the there's a red thing on the top of this page. It says if you're a child. This page is not for you. I'm like, what is going on? But uh, they're talking about masturbation. Um, so, yeah, this is one of the weird ones. Like, she said masturbation is abuse and it leads to diseases. Uh, literally, the quote, uh, many sink into an early grave. Um, numerous pains in the system and various diseases such as uh, affection of the liver and lungs, nerve. Neuralgia, I don't know what that means. Rheumatism, affection of the spine, diseased kidneys, and cancerous humors. Like, <laughs> and in the end, she said, death is the result. Well, I guess, I mean, death is the result. If you do anything in life, eventually you'll die, so you can claim that. But, like, this is very specific that if you masturbate, you're 
you're hurting yourself. Um, it'll give you diseases. Which, if she said this about this, and she also said it about meat, like, how can you claim that she was so prophetic about pork? Like, if you were back in those days, you say everything gives you cancer. Well, you're going to be right some of the time. It's destroying your brain nerves, apparently. Uh, your, your eyesight is weakened, and uh, disease is fastening upon you. Okay. Oh, there's a lot more. Dropsy, headache, memory and sight, weakness of the back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go on, but like, uh, this is totally not true at all, whatsoever. Um, okay, here is a, um, a medical columnist, uh, from 1997 that says, from a 20th century medical perspective, I can assure you that this activity in no way affects mental or physical health. Not only does masturbation have no bad effects, it probably has much healthier, uh, than trying to suppress, uh, oh, it is probably much healthier than trying to suppress uh, sexual impulses. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, they say people that are like, uh, what do they call that? Denial, like they never uh, have any pleasure in life is that's actually a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's see. So, okay, let's uh, skip over to another thing, uh, which is uh, her head injury. And I think it's, like, one of the, one of the biggest uh, things. Um... She said a lot that she was shown things and the things, the words that she said, um, most of what she said is, is found in other things by other people, um, like earlier books, uh, that she basically plagiarized. Um, if this were, okay, I'll just... To any Adventists out there listening, if this were any other religion, if if a founder of that religion had head injuries and never completed uh, basic education and copied a lot of what uh, their main work was and was wrong about a lot of big things, would you believe in it? Because I... I wouldn't personally. Um, they say one of the good uh, ways to become more grounded in reality uh, is to realize that for other people, you look at their actions, but then for yourself, you look at the reasons. Mm. And you should really just look at it from an objective point of view of uh, actions. That's a good, good point. Uh, and I never I think, thought about that. Yeah. I, I, someone told me that last year. Um, but I think the same can be applied to 
religions. Uh, if, if any other religion believed in segregation, believed that men and women weren't equal, or believed, like, some other stuff, um, I wouldn't believe in it. Like, I would say it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But here we are in, uh, well, 2015, uh, basically still the present, uh, where our religion votes to not ordain women. Like, I don't care whatever reasoning you have, you can... And it's weak reasoning. Yeah, it is. That's the point. It's weak. Look at the actions, okay? They said that women cannot be ordained. They're not the same. Women and men are not equal. Like, point blank. That's what they said. Although hopefully, maybe one day that'll change. Um, but yes. Oh man, I'm tired. You are? Okay, yeah. well, uh, I think then, uh, that was a good podcast episode. Uh, we'll probably end it now, so, uh. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening everyone. to this episode of On the Other Hand.